With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Volume the First, Chapter 9 of Caleb Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Darvinia. Caleb Williams by William Godwin. Volume the First, Chapter 9. Mr. Falkland had experienced the nullity of all expostulation with Mr. Tyrrell, and was therefore content in the present case with confining his attention to the intended victim. The indignation with which he thought of his neighbour's character was now grown to such a height as to fill him with reluctance to the idea of a voluntary interview. There was indeed another affair which had been contemporary with this, that had once more brought these mortal enemies into a state of contest and had contributed to raise into a temper little short of madness the already inflamed and corrosive bitterness of Mr. Tyrrell. There was a tenant of Mr. Tyrrell, one Hawkins. I cannot mention his name without recollecting the painful tragedies that are annexed to it. This Hawkins had originally been taken up by Mr. Tyrrell, with a view of protecting him from the arbitrary proceedings of a neighbouring squire, though he had now in his turn become an object of persecution to Mr. Tyrrell himself. The first ground of their connection was this. Hawkins, beside a farm which he rented under the above-mentioned squire, had a small freehold estate that he inherited from his father. This, of course, entitled him to a vote in the county elections, and a warmly contested election having occurred, he was required by his landlord to vote for the candidate in whose favour he had himself engaged. Hawkins refused to obey the mandate, and soon after received notice to quit the farm he had at that time rented. It happened that Mr. Tyrrell had interested himself strongly in behalf of the opposite candidate, and, as Mr. Tyrrell's estate bordered upon the seat of Hawkins' present residence, the ejected countryman could think of no better expedient than that of riding over to this gentleman's mansion and relating the case to him. Mr. Tyrrell heard him through with attention. "'Well, friend,' said he, "'it is very true that I wished Mr. Jackman to carry his election. But you know it is usual in these cases for tenants to vote just as their landlords please. I do not think proper to encourage rebellion.' "'All that is very right and please you,' replied Hawkins and I would have voted at my landlord's bidding for any other man in the kingdom but Squire Marlowe. You must know one day his huntsman rode over my fence, and so through my best field of standing corn. It was not above a dozen yards about if he had kept the cart-road. 
the fellow had served me the same sauce, and it please your honour, three or four times before. So I only asked him what he did that for, and whether he had not more conscience than to spoil people's crops of that fashion. Presently the squire came up. He is but a poor weazen-faced chicken of a gentleman, saving your honour's reverence, and so he flew into a woundy passion, and threatened to horsewhip me. I will do as much in reason to pleasure my landlord as e'er a tenant has, but I will not give my vote to a man that threatens to horsewhip me. And so, your honour, I and my wife and three children are to be turned out of house and home, and what am I to do to maintain them God knows? I have been a hard-working man, and have always lived well, and I do think the case is main hard. Squire Underwood turns me out of my farm, and if your honour do not take me in, I know none of the neighbouring gentry will, for fear, as they say, of encouraging their own tenants to run rusty too. This representation was not without its effect upon Mr. Tyrrell. "'Well, well, man,' replied he, "'we will see what can be done. Order and subordination are very good things, but people should know how much to require. As you tell the story, I cannot see that you are greatly to blame.' Marlowe is a coxcomical prig, that is the truth on't, and if a man will expose himself, why, he must even take what follows. I do hate a Frenchified fop with all my soul, and I cannot say that I am much pleased with my neighbour Underwood for taking the part of such a rascal. Hawkins, I think, is your name? You may call on Barnes, my steward, to-morrow, and he shall speak to you. While Mr. Tyrrell was speaking, he recollected that he had a farm vacant, of nearly the same value as that which Hawkins at present rented under Mr. Underwood. He immediately consulted his steward, and finding the thing suitable in every respect, Hawkins was installed out of hand in the catalogue of Mr. Tyrrell's tenants. Mr. Underwood extremely resented this proceeding, which indeed, as being contrary to the understood conventions of the country gentlemen, few people but Mr. Tyrrell would have ventured upon. There was an end, said Mr. Underwood, to all regulation, if tenants were to be encouraged in such disobedience. It was not a question of this or that candidate, seeing that any gentleman, who was a true friend to his country, would rather lose his election than do a thing, which, if once established into a practice, would deprive them for ever of the power of managing any election. The labouring people were sturdy and resolute enough of their own accord. It became every day more difficult to keep them under any subordination. And if the gentlemen were so ill-advised as to neglect the public good, and encourage them in their insolence, there was no foreseeing where it would end. Mr. Tyrrell was not of a stamp to be influenced by these remonstrances. Their general spirit was sufficiently conformable to the sentiments he himself entertained, but he was of too vehement a temper to maintain the character of a consistent politician. And however wrong his conduct might be, he would by no means admit of its being set right by the suggestions of others. The more his patronage of Hawkins was criticised, the more inflexibly he adhered to it, and he was at no loss in clubs and other assemblies to overbear and silence, if not to confute, his censurers. Besides which, Hawkins had certain accomplishments which qualified him to be a favourite with Mr. Tyrrell. 
the bluntness of his manner and the ruggedness of his temper gave him some resemblance to his landlord and as these qualities were likely to be more frequently exercised on such persons as had incurred mr tyrrel's displeasure than upon mr tyrrel himself they were not observed without some degree of complacency in a word he every day received new marks of distinction from his patron and after some time was appointed coadjutor to mr barnes under the denomination of bailiff it was about the same period that he obtained a lease of the farm of which he was tenant mr tyrrel determined as occasion offered to promote every part of the family of this favoured dependent hawkins had a son a lad of seventeen of an agreeable person a ruddy complexion and of quick and lively parts this lad was in an uncommon degree the favourite of his father who seemed to have nothing so much at heart as the future welfare of his son mr tyrrel had noticed him two or three times with approbation and the boy being fond of the sports of the field had occasionally followed the hounds and displayed various instances both of agility and sagacity in presence of the squire one day in particular he exhibited himself with uncommon advantage and mr tyrrel without further delay proposed to his father to take him into his family and make him whip her in to his hounds till he could provide him with some more lucrative appointment in his service this proposal was received by hawkins with various marks of mortification he excused himself with hesitation for not accepting the offered favour said the lad was in many ways useful to him and hoped his honour would not insist upon depriving him of his assistance this apology might perhaps have been sufficient with any other man than mr tyrrel but it was frequently observed of this gentleman that when he had once formed a determination however slight in favour of any measure he was never afterwards known to give it up and that the only effect of opposition was to make him eager and inflexible in pursuit of that to which he had before been nearly indifferent at first he seemed to receive the apology